0: Let's get agreement that this is a strategic priority. That
1: area of alignment and synergy
0: can be very Looking important. To the future, we're committed to expand. Exciting
1: time, time. There's still progress that needs to be made. This is Healthcare Strategies.
2: Hello and welcome to Healthcare Strategies. I'm Jill McKeon, assistant editor of Health IT Security. Third-party tracking technologies are common across the internet, allowing organizations to garner insights about people using their sites. However, recent breach notifications and research have shown that these tools are capable of transmitting sensitive data back to the tech companies that developed them. A recent study published in Health Affairs found third-party tracking technologies present on 98.6% of all U.S. non-federal acute care hospital websites. The transfer of sensitive data to non-HIPAA-covered entities may result in compliance complexities, data breaches, lawsuits, and threats to patient privacy. Here to discuss these findings and their implications for the healthcare sector are two of the study's authors, Ari B. Friedman, Assistant Professor of Emergency Medicine at the University of Pennsylvania, and Matthew McCoy, Assistant Professor of Medical Ethics and Health Policy at the University of Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. So we'll start with you, Ari. What inspired your team to conduct research on the use of third-party tracking on hospital websites?
0: We have been doing this work for approaching three years now in various aspects of the healthcare system. And part of what inspires the work is the team. The collaboration is so great and the colleagues are so great. And we just, I think, have a lot of fun with it. And part of what inspires the work and keeps it going is that it just feels really important and urgent and timely. So that's kind of what keeps it going. What originally inspired this line of research for us was that I decided to turn off cookies one day in residency, kind of inspired by the news articles about all this tracking that was going on. And then I needed to look up some information for a patient and found that the medical journal website wouldn't even show me the table of contents if I had cookies turned off, essentially. As soon as I met Matt, he framed it this way, which is, I think, just brilliant, which is saying, well, essentially, they're saying, if you don't agree to be tracked, we won't even show you this thing that's essential to your job and essential to see patients. And so I sort of tucked that away for a few years and then finished residency and came to Penn and was introduced to Matt by a colleague. And we've just been taken off ever since. So at this point, we've studied website tracking on many different aspects of the healthcare system from sort of government COVID pages, find your nearest COVID testing site from the Federal Department of Health and Human Services, to news websites about COVID, to abortion clinic webpages we did recently, to medical journals, which we think is probably facilitating a lot of advertising to physicians and now hospitals.
2: Awesome. And Matt, could you dive into how you went about collecting and analyzing the data for your research for the study in particular?
1: Yes. So, you know, prior to our study, there had been some investigative reporting looking at the use of tracking technologies on sort of small groups of elite hospitals' websites. And we thought that given our experience in infrastructure, we could add some value to this debate by looking at this phenomenon kind of across the entire hospital ecosystem. So, what we did essentially is use the American Hospital Association database and we found all non-federal acute care hospitals in the United States. We figured out what their websites were, and then we visited those websites using a, a piece of technology that's developed by a collaborator of ours, Tim Liebert. The technology is called Web ray and we can get into technical details, but essentially what it does is in a very efficient and automated way, you can feed it a list of URLs and it will visit those websites and observe the third-party data transfers that are taking place. So, you know, we fed webx ray this massive list of hospital URLs that we had identified, And then it returns to us a report of the tracking activities that are taking place on those websites. And we analyze that data and, and, you know, we presented it in the health affairs paper. Great. And Ari, can you explain kind of how healthcare
2: organizations might be implementing these third-party tracking tools, such as the Metapixel on their websites and why they might be doing that in the first place and the potential risks associated with those tools?
0: Yeah. Healthcare organizations are probably in a little bit of a bind right now, right? Because... In some sense, this is just how the web, or really sort of Web 2.0, was built. It's very hard, but notably not impossible. Like in every study we've done, we've found healthcare entities that are going about their business and have a web page that functions that has no tracking whatsoever on it. But at least you have to be extremely thoughtful about every single tool that you implement to add functionality to your web page to avoid any tracking whatsoever, right? And so we sort of think, and from talking to people in industry in various ways, people seem to confirm this that you know nobody set out to say, oh, I really want to turn your data over to Google on the one hand or LiveRamp slash Axicom or you know other entities that you kind of never heard of, but data brokers on the other, instead they're offered functionality by tech companies, either functionality to track their ad campaigns, functionality to determine what happens on your website to see, oh, which pages are people using, which pages are people not using, right? That was the original bargain of Google Analytics. Or they're offered linkages to social media. Or in some cases, you know, not 100% of these third party transfers are necessarily tracking. We don't observe what happens with the data once it's transferred. But from sort of combing through the business descriptions of the firms that we find, it does seem like the vast majority of these data transfers wind up being transferred to companies who do seem to be in some way or the other in the advertising, tracking, profiling business.
2: Yeah. And I think that's a crucial point that has come to light in these recent data breach notifications where the hospitals were maybe promised that increased functionality and ends up inadvertently transmitting that data. So, as you said, this research was inspired by that realization that these trackers are very prevalent on websites across the internet. So, maybe the fact that nearly all of these hospital websites that you analyzed had these trackers was not so surprising, but were there any unexpected findings from this research or anything that really stood out to you?
1: So, I would highlight two things. I mean, you're completely right to say that web tracking is a pretty ubiquitous phenomenon on the internet. So, I don't think we were surprised to find some tracking on these websites, but I think we were a little bit surprised that there was as much tracking as there is on these hospital websites, because the way we think about it is, you know, people who are working in hospital administration, they understand the importance of patient privacy, both ethically and legally. And, you know, we thought they might be a little bit more sensitized to these issues than people who operate other kinds of of healthcare-related websites, you know, more consumer-facing thing, like a WebMD or something like that. And so I think we were surprised, not that there was some tracking, but the the volume of tracking that we saw on these websites, because we expected maybe that folks running these hospitals would take greater measures to limit the use of these technologies. And, you know, one of the questions we had was, okay, well, maybe this is happening, right? Maybe there's a lot of trackers on the hospital homepage, but when it comes to pages that would really reveal something sensitive about your healthcare information, like a page with specialists treating depression or HIV, we thought maybe it would be the case that there's, you know, there's not trackers on these pages, but we checked that in the study, right? We looked at the correlation between tracking on hospital homepages and tracking on these pages with highly specific symptom information. And we found that there really wasn't that much difference. So I think, you know, those were areas where we expected that maybe hospitals would be doing a little bit better than they actually are doing, even though we went into this with eyes open, that sure, there's going to be some tracking on these web pages. I think we were hoping to find something a little bit better than what we actually did.
0: I agree with that. To me, both of those point to this idea that Hospitals, like everybody, didn't necessarily pay that much attention to this issue because this is just how the web has been built. It doesn't have to be built this way, but it was deliberately constructed this way. And for instance, if they had put more thought into it, then you might expect to see a difference in sensitive condition health pages versus not, right? Or you might expect to see, well, you know, you can't run a website, especially not a big complex organizational website without Google Analytics. So we'll have Google Analytics, but we won't have fifteen other trackers on our website, right? But these technologies are are really quite difficult, and it's just very difficult to avoid. But there's a lot of promise, which is that health is a special domain of privacy in general. Like you know, we have a very functional law in many domains where it applies. HIPAA is a very strong law in a lot of ways. And so there is hope of kind of getting health related legislation passed. And also in health, we have, you know, entities that are pretty motivated to, I think, do the right thing by their patient. I'm an emergency doctor. I work at a big academic medical center. The people I work with are great, right? I think, you know, our hope is that by calling attention to this issue and to the scope of it and the scale of it, that hospitals can kind of lead the way for the entire internet and, you know, can go to these tech companies and say, look, you have to do this. Or there are efforts to have an alternative to Google Analytics that doesn't transfer any data out, that it's all internal. And there's an open source effort already there. So maybe the hospitals get together and they fund that. I think there's actually a lot of promise here to reform all of the web and lead with the health system.
2: Definitely. It seems like bringing increased attention to this issue is really an important step in potentially seeing future privacy regulations down the line.
0: Well, that's that's catnip to this academic's heart, <laughs> since what we do is bring attention to things. So.
2: And moving on with all of that in mind, what are some steps that hospitals can take to mitigate the risks associated with this tracking?
1: We can think about this kind of short-term and long-term. Short-term, I think there's no reason that hospitals can't say tomorrow or this week or next week Use one of the many tools that are available for free to audit their websites and see what trackers are currently on there. I mean, as we said earlier, I think it's probably the case that a lot of these tracking technologies end up on hospital websites without folks really thinking about it or thinking about the implications because they install them because they like the, the functionality that they offer. So, you know, people who are thinking about privacy and compliance at hospitals. They don't need any kind of specialized tech expertise to audit their website and see what trackers are on there. So that's the first step is just getting that situational awareness. And I think the the second step, which may require a little bit more time, but again, it's something that hospitals can begin working on right away, is to remove the trackers from their websites that they don't deem absolutely essential to running their business. I think they can start doing that very soon. You know, in the longer term, Ari talked about, you know, either finding or developing technologies that might offer some of this analytics support without the privacy threats that are associated with the current tools. And then kind of, you know, downstream in the longest term, obviously, I don't think we should be depending on, you know, hospitals or any other kind of entity to fully solve this problem, right? We need regulators to enforce laws that are already on the books to protect consumer privacy and patient privacy. And we need Congress to think about passing comprehensive privacy legislation that might address some of these issues at the root of the cause. But I think what is, you know, one sort of optimistic finding of this work is, sure, there are those long-term goals, but there's no reason that hospitals can't start tomorrow doing things to help protect patient privacy.
2: Great. So it definitely seems like hospitals will really have to consider the impact of these tools within their compliance programs from the start. So Ari, from your point of view, how else can patients protect their privacy when accessing hospital websites?
0: That's a tough one. I mean I think you know our general position is that it's just too much to ask to tell people you are responsible for your own protection, right? This is a many, many many billion dollar industry that employs people who are widely regarded to be like the smartest programmers anywhere who are developing ways to circumvent whatever open source tool you're using to block tracking cookies for instance were a way to give people a persistent identity that could be tracked and cookies started to become the target of legislative proposals and people started to try turning off their cookies and you saw kind of i think two sets of responses to that right One was coercive, which is what got me started in this, right? That you can't even see the table of contents of a major medical journal without agreeing to be tracked to a particular identifier, without agreeing to have your browser facilitate their persistent identity of you. And the other is really technological, that Facebook, when third-party cookies, meaning you go to MatthewMcCoyHealthClinic.com and... Matt has installed a tracker on the Facebook pixel on his website. And the Facebook pixel says, hey, I'd like to set a cookie from Facebook.com. You know, you can set your browser to block only those, but allow Matt McCoy cookies, right? But Facebook then just changed their code so that it actually sets Matt McCoy Healthclinic.com cookie and then in the back end transfers it to Facebook, right? So that's one of a million different ways, including browser fingerprinting and kind of innumerable technologies with an enormous amount of revenue at stake and an enormous amount of innovation therefore that goes on dedicated to subverting anti-tracking technologies. That said, do I use an ad blocker? Of course I use an ad blocker, right? I have separate browser profiles for particularly high risk or high tracking oriented things. You know, I have a separate browser profile for Google things and I have a separate browser profile for Facebook things. And I try not to go too crazy with it, but I have a few separate browser profiles where I try to keep things cordoned off. But does Google know that I had a flu the last two days or so? Probably, you know, so.
2: So as you mentioned, ideally, patients really shouldn't have to worry about data privacy when they're just trying to make a doctor's appointment through a hospital website. But there are some tools available to mitigate that risk as these hospitals kind of figure out their next steps. So it's a really nuanced issue. Lastly, I'd be curious to know how each of you see this issue of third-party tracking on hospital websites evolving in the future.
1: So I'm pretty optimistic that we're going to see a real decrease in this on hospital websites, you know, not just because of studies like ours, but I think our study is one of several recent reports, some in the academic literature, some in the popular press drawing attention to this issue. I don't think hospitals particularly like the scrutiny of kind of being covered in academic papers and reporting about the use of these technologies. So I think that gives them some motivation to curb these practices. There's also been a number of class action lawsuits across the country where plaintiffs are suing hospitals for exposing them to unwanted tracking. You know, whether or not a lot of those cases are going to prevail in court, I think it's too early to say but they certainly contribute to the bad press that hospitals are facing. And I think just, you know, out of a desire to avoid costly litigation, it's gonna give hospitals another incentive to curb this. And then finally, the Office of Civil Rights and the Department of Health and Human Services, which is the body that's responsible for enforcing HIPAA, has, you know, put out guidance very recently at the end of 2022 saying, you know, they're looking at hospitals or healthcare providers more broadly their use of these tracking technologies. And what the Office of Civil Rights said is, you know, a lot of these really common tracking technologies, they may be transferring protected health information. And if that's the case, they're in violation of HIPAA. So, you know, the prospect of potentially seeing civil monetary penalties for HIPAA violations on top of the bad press, on top of the class action lawsuits, I think that that's a pretty weighty combination of factors for hospitals to think about, and really reconsider whether or not the value that they're getting out of these trackers justifies maintaining them
0: in the face of all this pressure. I agree 100%. I think that in the U.S. we have functionally no privacy laws whatsoever outside of the health domain. And then we have HIPAA, right? And so just this idea that HIPAA kind of has expanded its scope to include this, you know, which is a very strong law that hospitals are incredibly equipped to deal with and deal with on a regular basis. I remember when I was an intern, they sat us all down in a big auditorium for 60 minutes and talked to us about how anything you write on a piece of paper, like you should not keep that in your back pocket because if that paper falls out and one patient's information is seen on the curb and that gets reported, it's a $100,000 fine. So hospitals take that very seriously. And I think they're intrinsically motivated to fix this. They just, it hasn't gotten a high enough level of attention. I think this was kind of. The web administrator level decisions, and it has been elevated to the attention of, in many ways, in the past year or so, the highest kind of levels of the hospital. I do wonder, or I, I worry, that there's still an enormous amount of health related information about patients that just your routine browsing on news sites and lots of other sites can reveal about you, right? And it doesn't even necessarily have to be kind of on its face, look like health-related information. If you start browsing patterns of websites that all of a sudden are less complex in their reading level, maybe that's a sign of cognitive impairment, right? There's, There's so many patterns in our everyday life that when you observe the bulk of our online activity, which is in some cases kind of the bulk of our activity of our lives at this point that can be highly revealing of health information, even though it's not in a hospital, even though it's not in a health system. That I think that really points to the need for comprehensive privacy legislation. And it does seem like some states have taken the initiative on this and kind of started to redefine health data as kind of belonging to everybody in in the sense of if you're a business who transacts in the state of Maine, you are a regulated entity under some of these proposed laws. So, you know, we'll see if that passes. But The scope is potentially quite big there, but also the challenges of like, well, if you're a business with a website, how do you, know, you're a small business, how do you figure out what's health data and what's not health data? And how does that all work, right? So we have a ton of work to do there to even define these things.
2: Definitely. And it'll be interesting to see how the situation develops. And I'm looking forward to seeing future research on the topic as well. So thank you, Ari and Matt, for joining us.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for having
2: us. Thank you. Listeners, we would love to hear your insights on this topic as well. So if you have any thoughts that you would like to share or any questions or topics that you think that we should cover in future episodes, please reach out to me at kwedill at extelligentmedia.com. That's K-W-A-D-D-I-L-L at Extelligentmedia.com to share your thoughts. And also don't forget to drop us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Thanks for listening.
1: This is a Tech Target production.